Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. It is the year 2021. You got your boys Mo and Nafi here in the first episode of the new year talking about the New York Knicks and the NBA. And we're excited because, you know, recently the Knicks won a game or so. Um, and we're, <laughs> we're here to talk about it here my man Nafi. How you feeling, man, on this Sunday, January 3rd? Feeling good, man. Feeling, uh, Feeling blessed and highly favored to be recording our first episode of the year 2021 with you, brother. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So yep. uh, we may have ended, uh, we as in our Knicks, may have ended 2020 on a bad note. I feel like that was kind of poetic. We we lost to the Raptors. It was just mm-hmm. ugly, brick city kind of game. But then, um, you know, last game, I was pleasantly surprised that we came out after Indiana and won that game, bro. So ready to get into it, man. Yeah, good vibes all around. We saw a couple of important things um, that we can break out from. I was gonna say something else. I totally forgot. But um, anyway, can we get started, bro? Shit. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> like we usually talk about something else besides the Knicks before getting straight into it. We we usually get into the Knicks like a minute or two later. But I don't know. I politics New Year's resolutions. Or, politics what's, or what's your resolution uh, for this year? Was that? You talking about New Year's resolutions? That was on. I, I mean, your tongue? I normally don't do New Year's resolutions because I can't keep through with it. Why do you have one? That you want to share? No, not really. I, I don't do that shit either because yeah. I'm one of them people that's just like, yo, why are you waiting till the new year to better yourself? It should yeah. be a continuous process. You know what I mean? But I just sound like a curmudgeon by saying that. <laughs> no, nah, I'm one of those guys who, like, the moment I feel like I want to do something and I'm motivated at that moment, if there's, like, for example, if I want to go to the gym, right? And that moment I'm ready to yeah. do it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna book it right then and there and just force myself because the only yeah. thing that's gonna make me go is if I spend money on it. Um, but anyway, uh, the Knicks won yesterday, 106, 102 against the Pacers. We didn't really cover the Raptors game too much, um, so any let, let's start with the Raptors and then we'll get into the Pacers since Pacers are uh, fresh in our memory. The Raptors game, last game of 2020, the Knicks lost 83, 100, and we were mentioning just right before we started recording, the Knicks had missed 20 straight three-pointers in that game. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much bluntly claim, like, yeah, I don't see how Rockets fans even had the will to live after, hmm. like, their 27 straight missed threes. In, in a, a game in seven. Game. Yo, exactly. So, like, I sw- if that was the Knicks, bro, I, I, I was, that suicide prevention hotline probably would have been ringing <laughs> off, the, <laughs> off, off the hook, you know what I mean, for a lot, for a lot of Knicks fans. So, like... I compare that to just the feeling of watching that Raptors game, and I just felt depressing and nasty after watching that performance, bro. That's how ugly <laughs> yeah. 20 straight threes makes you feel. You know what I mean? 20 straight missed threes, rather. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, is that aside from all the bricks, what are, what are what other takeaways did you have from that game when, when you, you know, was watching? I mean, overall, Randall is seeming like the guy every game that he's playing at, mm. and we'll get to the Pacers in a little bit, um, but... You know, even in the Raptors game, he was probably the best player that was on the court, at least on the Knicks. And Knox had a really good game, sixteen and six. Um, Randall again a double double, sixteen and ten. 
and you know the Raptors were just were just not going away. Fred Van Vliet, the the player that the Knicks were targeting in the offseason, twenty five seven and five. Kyle Lowry, the heart and soul of Toronto, twenty seven and four. Um, I I think overall, you know, despite missing three, tw- sorry, twenty straight threes, I th- or it might have been twenty one. The Knicks only losing by seventeen points. They were, you know, it's not it's not that bad. They so they still ended on a two three record against uh you know one of the top teams of the East in general. Even though their their record is not showing that, it was it was whatever. I think we all walked in expecting a, a Knicks loss. Um, and mm-hmm. it helps that the following game they played so well. I mean, it's funny you say we were expecting a loss because like literally the episode before the Raptors game, you were saying we was going in. Three game winning streak and would take it, you know what I mean? So like you had me drinking the Kool Aid. I went in like, yo, Tampa Bay Raptors, they ain't the same as the Toronto Raptors. We got this, you know what I mean? And then to be fair, it was close, yo, and it was close to, until like maybe midway through the third quarter mm-hmm. and then that's when like we just nicked it up, you know, and just like when all that bad shooting caught up with us. But they got him I, I wanna kinda Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No. No, no, I was just gonna say well, like one point I took away from that Raptors game is just like what well, you and I kinda maybe discussed a little bit before we got Tibbs. It's just like, he'll have his teams playing defense to the point where we will be competitive, even mm-hmm. if we're quote-unquote bad. You know what I mean? We'll give dudes, like, if, if, even if we're, like, crazy outclassed against a team, it seems like we're going to be that type of team where, like, even these, like, elite teams that outclass us is going to come in and we're going to be an annoying, like, uh, nuisance to them. You know what I mean? And that's what that defense feels like. And we're only five games in where the defense isn't totally solidified yet in terms of, like, everybody being on the same page. But, yeah, I feel like that's the vibe I'm getting from the team so far, and obviously small sample size, but I feel like the Raptors game was a good kind of indicator of that because I feel like in previous regimes, even just like our Fizdale years, you know what I mean, we would have went into that game and just gotten blown off from jump, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we actually kept it kind of close, made the, our defense kind of... If we were shooting ugly, the Raptors were, were sh- shooting slightly less ugly. And I checked the numbers afterwards. The percentage that the Raptors shot from three, we held them below their season average mm-hmm. so far. You know what I mean? That's kind of a good trend we've been noticing. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like you had a point to chime in with. So no, I was going to say we, sh- we should try to bring in Knox's pops to every game that he plays at because his, <laughs> his family came in and he was knocking down three after three or you know two threes. He scored 16 points season high. Feels like a career high, even though it's not. But, you know, then the following game he, he got, what, zero points? It, it looks like when Knox has family watching, he, he goes off. So that was a nice little surprise. And, uh, you know, he played well in 32 minutes, five, uh, two for eight from the three. He still scored two. And it was, and it was back-to-back twos also. Um, nice. Yeah, and RJ didn't play so well. But, you know, this is a point that Tibbs made in the press conference after last night, that when RJ's, RJ's not shooting well, he um, – Hey, man, what you, what you got going on over there, man? Uh, <laughs> Sound like Mike Green. Mike Green it was just jumped Mike in the chat. What up, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> when when RJ, no. so basically, you know this this point that that Tiz made last night was when RJ's not knocking the ball down, he's doing other things right. He's doing well in other things. So for example, in the Raptors game, he still got he still nabbed eight rebounds. He still got three assists, and he still the fact they went zero for eight isn't that bad. He's not getting he's not getting scared of the shot. And he's continuously taking it. Went four for five from the free throw line. Um, and only two turnovers, only two fouls in 37 minutes. I think these are promising things from a growing young player who's only 20 years old. And again, once we talk about the Pacers game, it's, it's going to make a little bit more sense that these are the right things to do 
And these are one of those losses that will just help the team grow overall. And we see that coaching is, you know, it's it's kind of important. Um, for the most part, this lineup is, is the same as it was last season with Fisdale. But it feels like it's night and day, especially at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, biggest point I take away from that is, like, you're right, coaching makes a difference. And um, especially with a dude like Knox, you know what I mean? Like, just to kind of stay on him, we just joked. Or, like, you just made a good joke that, like, yo, he just he had his family in the stands. He's showing out, you know what I mean? He, was, <laughs> um, he seemed, like, really happy to be there. And that's really understandable because he's a young kid, probably hasn't seen his parents like that it, since, you know, training camp kicked off. So, um, biggest takeaway I get from, like, I feel like Knox is a perfect example of like coaching just because it felt like last two years it's been said mad often that like he just looked like a deer in the headlights you know what I mean mm -hmm. and a lot of that feeling of like that deer in the headlights feeling I feel like a lot of regular people uh, recall moments of that when in our own kind of careers and workplace where like we're just kind of like you know caught off guard you know what I mean but then with Knox it felt like that was a stretch across two 82 game seasons and to kind of prevent that deer in the headlights feeling or just like feeling of unpreparedness is preparation. Preparation breeds confidence, confidence breeds success, and I feel like that goes to coaching. And that somebody like Tibbs, at least these five games so far, he's having he's having Knox look better than he ever has. Because even when like, even if he's having a bad shooting night, more times than not, he's been doing other things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, similar to how RJ and RJ is like a better example of that. Because like his jumper is really is just like wildly freaking like streaky because what was he four for five last night for three after yeah. like missing like 20 in a row um period across several games so i think but then he contributed in other ways so i feel like that's if that's the kind of atmosphere tibbs is building not just defense but just like yo even if your shot ain't falling even if your offense ain't there do all the things for the team you know and rj is like a ball player bro he's he like i feel like he goes on to the court, there's not a lot that he can't do, you know what I mean? Um, it's just about really honing his craft and mastering that. And then, especially with the jumper, if his jumper gets there for him, boy, it's going to be scary for the league, you know what I mean? Um, but the thing I like, caught between, we just mentioned RJ and Knox, it's like, especially the last two games, it's like the perfect encapsulation of it. I feel like it, it it's going to be rare for both of them to have great games at the same time, you know what I mean? Mm. That Toronto game, Knox went off, RJ just had like his worst shooting game in a minute. This last this past game against Indiana, Knox didn't really look so hot. You know what I mean? But RJ stepped up again. You know, um, so I just kind of hope that like there's more kind of continued consistency to the point where they both play well um, in games moving forward. You know, but that that'll come with time. They're young. Um, yeah, I mean, any other takeaways you had from the Raptors game or no? But you know, here's here's a question I want to throw out: How? likely do players know the minute distribution before a game it's kind of a it, it seems like a rhetorical question but do they kind do you happen to know if they kind of have an idea of the range of minutes they're going to get before they play a game do i know um i i think like you know they're we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but like in game planning sessions um film sessions and probably just like you know, conversations with the coach. They probably have an idea what their role is on the team. I feel like a good coach, this, this is like one of those cliches that gets said a lot about good and great coaches. They're honest with their players about what their role is and what's expected of them. You know what I mean? So I feel like Tibbs is, Tibbs is the first time in a minute, bro, where I feel like we have an actual coach. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like a wishful thinking or like, yo, our coach is also a rookie. Let's hope he actually gets better as well as he tries to improve our young players. You know what I mean? 
Um, but Tibbs, he's, he's been around the block for a minute, both as an assistant and as a coach. So I feel like, to your point about like minutes distribution, I think he's the type of coach where he's straight with, with dudes. You know what I mean? He's just like, yo, like, for example, yo, Rivers is back. So Frank, like, you got a sore hamstring, we're just going to sit you for the next two games. You know what I mean? So you get heal up while Rivers will play. And then that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be cut out from the rotation, but you could come back in. You know what I mean? So I feel like Tibbs is doing a good job juggling. Yeah. Which like a, a like a kind of a deep roster at least, and I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I feel like I feel like players do have kind of an idea of what, like what's going to happen in the game. But the reason, a good coach also adjusts on the fly, you know. Right. But yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. no, the reason why I'm throwing that question out there is because I'm wondering if if Knox knew with IQ back and Rivers being in his second game back, they're going to get more minutes and his minutes are going to diminish a little bit. It felt like he he kind of you know rushed his minutes a little bit and tried to score as soon as he can. Not all the shots were clean looks last night, and he went 0 for 4. Um, so I'm wondering if that, you know, that plays a role. I'm sure it does because the game before he had more minutes. Kind of, ha- I'm sure he had an idea that with his fam there, he was going to get a little bit more run and can just take the game a little slower. But I think he he's the kind of guy who, if he knows he has minutes that are much less than what he'd like, like 15 or so minutes, he's going to just, you know, just take jumpers as soon as he can if he gets a little if he gets an inch of space just get some points uh points up there you think talk about knox here or iq i'm talking about knox oh gotcha gotcha all right yeah okay yeah makes sense you know what i mean yeah i feel like especially in a situation with like these young players to add to your point that like it's probably more transparent you know what i mean because like young players like even these young people in general they just tend to be more moody and shit you know what i mean more like hanging on their emotions which is Mm -hmm. natural you know so i feel like it's the same with young ball players so I think that's like, I feel like it gets mentioned a lot. Um, you know, Mike Woodson, he's like a nice player's coach, you know what I mean? But Tibbs is the drill sergeant, you know? So, like, it's like that balance there. And I feel like having a dude like Woodson, when Tibbs rips into a young player, it's good to have, like, that dude like Woodson and Kenny Payne, too, that, like, can be that shoulder for these young players to go to. Just be like, yo, why are my minutes like this? And then Kenny Payne and Woodson could be like, oh, this is what coach needs you to do. Let's work on it, you know what I mean? Right. So, You know, and you made an interesting point that, this is the first time the Knicks have an actual coach because if you think if we if we stem it back all the way to like Derek Fisher right we had Derek Fisher, Kurt Rambis, Jeff Hornacek, and David Fisdale. It felt like there was always a narrative at the front office imposed on the coaches to try to work with. So the triangle or Ram in Rambis's case trying to get a full time job or full coaching job, uh, and Fisdale you know t- tank it and then afterwards make use of if Randall and all of the all the signings that they did to the best that, that he can. And this time it feels a little different because Leon Rose just seems like he he's giving space to, to Thibodeau. And this is all speculation, but it's, it feels like Thibodeau just owns a team and it's like maximize every guy that you have and just win as many games as possible. And, and that way Tibbs doesn't have that additional pressure from the front office to do whatever they need to be done. And his goal is just to do what he's best at, and that's coaching. Facts. And, like, to your point, it's just like that's what we've been kind of wanting and pining for. It's mm-hmm. like that top-down unity, just like everybody on the same page. And I feel like we had that with the Steve Mills, Scott Perry, Fisdale like regime. It's just that like we had the wrong pieces that were on the same page. You know what I mean? Like a group full of people that are in in a room that agree with each other is dope, unless they agree on the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Aka yeah. like you know like a red hat wearing uh, MAGA supporters, but <laughs> neither here nor there. But it's like you know what I mean? Like and then you have Leon coming in who. I, I brought this up previously, I don't know what episode, but, like, Leon's been Melo's agent for, like, decade plus. It, so he spent a lot of time close. I mean, there's a reason Dolan nabbed him immediately to be the guy to take over, right? He has 
inside knowledge of the Knicks regime, you know what I mean? So he came in and he was just like, no, we're not going to do that, like, uh, uh, unprepared or, um, you know, a young coach, you know what I mean? Which a lot of people, a lot of fans wanted, and I kind of did want to, but it's also like I also see the point of bringing an established guy like Tibbs in because if you're going to change the culture, you can't change a culture with something that's only potential, even if, even if it's a coach, you know what I mean? Like, even Udoka is like a name that got thrown around. And it's probably going to be continued to throw around until he gets a full-time job. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know shit about inside coaching, about assistant coaches, but he's going to get these opportunities. And he's he might just be an amazing coach. comes from the Spurs coaching tree. But Leon made a judgment call. He's like, nah. Like, Tibbs is like my boy, and he has an established track record. And, like, going in, especially with the history of the Knicks, we've always we've, we've recently spent a lot of time on, like like I mentioned before, young coaches or, like, newish coaches that still have a ways to go to improve themselves. I think this is this is like, yo, Tibbs is gonna look like the hiring is probably like, yo, knock on wood, you know. But I think it's gonna be if the Leon Rose era is success, it's gonna be tied to the Tibbs hire, no matter what free agents we bring in. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I feel like Tibbs yeah. is gonna be the the real kind of uh, turning point if if you know we turn the page and become good. You know what I mean? Yeah, we see it reflect on the players and how they've been performing lately. So let's move on to the Pacers game, which. Which was an awesome game, I think, from beginning to end, minus a few referee <coughs> bullshit calls that, that were made. But <clears throat> 106-102. Um, and it, it, interesting enough, the two Pacer games are the only two games so far this season where Barrett led the team in points scored, and the remaining games were all Randall. Uh, RJ Barrett had 25-5 and three assists. Um, Randall with a near triple-double, a 12-11 and eight assists. Only nice. only four turnovers for a guy controlling the ball most of the game, 37 minutes. Um, oh, R- Mitchell Robinson, dude, we gotta. Mm. Oof, mm, mm, mm. What a what a what a master game by Mitchell mm, Robinson. 16, mm, mm. Ten, uh, 16, nine and two blocks and a key block at the end of the game against uh, Malcolm Brogdon, eight of ten, and uh, other highlights. Austin Rivers. I, I love that I love that little crossover thing he does. I would love to see. Bro, that. he cooked Oladipo, bro. I, I, I would love like he had Bell's palsy in his feet. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see him at Rucker Park. That that little crossover Fast. that he does is gonna be nasty. I think, and 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 as a locker room leader, we uh, everyone saw the Instagram post that he made after the Raptors lost. I mean, he was basically saying something that he normally should say, or not normally should say, but something that is that makes it a little easier to witness a loss like that because his main point was that you know we're we're learning we're getting there you know we're we appreciate the patience we're still gelling and all that which is good and you know next game it's a w against a really good team so main takeaway from the pacers what you got um chill i don't know what old depot did to rj in a past life but like these last two games <laughs> rj been sunning that man son <laughs> I think yeah. it's just like RJ read the tweets and heard the rumors that like, oh, we was possibly kicking around the tires on Oladipo. And RJ's like, nah, fuck that. Why y'all need a shooting guard? You got me. You know what I mean? And he's just like, we saw in the la- in the first matchup, he like uh, big, he little boyed Oladipo, mm-hmm. like getting to the rim. You know what I mean? Just had him like, it looked like a little a little brother playing a pickup with his big brother in the driveway. You know what I mean? He just like <laughs> pushed him aside and he just made the layup. Yeah. And the little brother goes tells mom, like, he's not playing fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's how it feels. It feels like, you know, like Mike Breen made a point in the game, too. Just like, why can't, like, RJ needs to play all his games in Indiana. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Empty mm-hmm. Um, Indiana. What's, what's, what's the stadium called? Fieldhouse? Banker's Life? Fieldhouse? Or some, some shit. shit. I don't know. Oh but, yeah, I mean, that's my main takeaway. But, like, a point I want to make about the Rivers thing, like, 
there was a joke going around a while back and it still might be out there but it's like it, like this perception of rivers have you ever seen this video of like when him and blake were teammates blake griffin mm-hmm. it's like a video of like blake griffin like mimicking all of rivers moves just to clown him you know what i mean yeah. just because <laughs> the thing about rivers moves is like they're effective but he literally looks like he just learned basketball from a youtube trainer <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just like those kind of moves you know what i mean like yeah. basic like but the basic shit looks good, you know what I mean? But it just looks straight ripped out of a textbook, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like a YouTube video. And then the Blake Griffin video was funny. It was just, it just like, I got to send it to you. But like at the end of it, it's just like he throws up a floater and goes over the fucking rim. And I was like, okay, <laughs> accurate, accurate uh, impersonation of Rivers at the time. But that's not to downplay what he's done in these last two games fresh off of um, no preseason and an injury. It's just mm-hmm. like Rivers just looks like a pro, bro. Well, pro, bro, you know what I mean? And like thing about him he just gives us another guy that can shoot dribble pass you know what i mean he, sometimes he can dribble really well so um those are my main two takeaways but what about you what, what what did you see watching that game you know what i mean like guys are learning from their mistakes which is which is definitely a surprise to see uh alfred payton for example we know he's not a very good shooter and you know every I'm sure Thibodeau pointed that out, and now he's driving in more. He got a couple of and ones. He had a back-to-back and one, which is really nice. Uh, I'm not too big of a fan of a guy like Alfred getting big minutes and big plays, especially since he's not going to likely be on the team for, for much longer. But the fact that he's learning from his mistakes and doing it as one of the older guys on the team, you'd hope that the younger guys learn from that. And we saw the return of one Emmanuel Quickly, who came in for just – how many minutes was that? It was a hot 15 minutes and scored nine points, um, two assists, and one for two from the three, and he was drawing a lot of fouls. And there's no mm. exact statistic that I can find right now where it shows how many fouls he picked up. He picked up a lot of fouls, and that's mm. something that, that hurt the Pacers a lot. Anytime he came in and drove in, he was picking up fouls left and right, and that's something that um, is one of those things that he's that he can be uh, you know really good at moving forward. And obviously Mitchell Robinson, dude, um, a, a, a beautiful game. Um, how many fouls did he have? Three fouls only in 29 hey. minutes. And, uh, you know, he locked up in the paint, and he was getting a lot of nice lobs and a lot of nice passes from his from his team. And uh, overall, dude, there's so many players that we can we can talk about, five players in double digits. All around, yeah. all around yeah. an excellent game, excellent coaching. I'm just looking forward to the, day, to the day when, like, the Mitchell Robinson foul counter, we can retire it, you know what I mean? To yeah. the point where, like, we don't got to worry, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so, but I think we're progressing nicely there, you know? Like, Mitch, we just call him money-making Mitch, bro, because he's earning his next contract pretty well right now. Um, I don't know if you saw Peyton Full. I was, like, one of the characters in the movie. But, um, good movie, by the way, if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's with Cameron. Cameron basically plays himself. It's very funny. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Mitch is just balling out. Um, to your point about IQ, though, like... I think the best statistic to track his foul drawing is just to like rack up or count up the amount of times the opposing players go over to him and have a conversation. You know what I mean? To like talk shit about him because I saw uh, mm-hmm. Justin Holiday do that like once or twice after like quickly got him a couple times and it quickly just like I don't know what he said but he just like laughed and said something real quick. The kid is confident. <laughs> the yeah. kid don't give no fucks that like he's doing this to veteran players. You know what I mean? Um, which I like that. I like that mean streak in him. You know, like, do you recall last year, or maybe it was Trey Young's rookie year, he was like nutmegging dudes Everybody. left and right. Until he got yeah, shoved then, by Trevor Ariza. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I love that shit, you know what I mean? So, I, um, Trey Young learned from that. He's like, okay, there's certain dudes in this league I can do it to. 
and then there's certain dudes that will beat my ass. It's a learning process. I want IQ to go through that same learning process. I want IQ to get 25 minutes and just go out there and just annoy the hell out of other NBA players and see which one is uh, is about that action, <laughs> you know what I mean, and which <laughs> ones will just complain. And I think, yeah, I mean, well, I, mean I don't want to, like, get too over the top with the praise of IQ, but it's only going to be over the top because of what we always had at the point guard position. It just looks like, at the very least, IQ is going to be a solid rotation piece mm-hmm. in our in our franchise for a minute, you know, b- barring, you know, bad health, you know? So, I like what I've seen from him in that 15 minutes. Um, the biggest thing is just, like, his confident demeanor. He's a floor general, bro. Like, I don't understand where this idea, you know, just because we didn't really focus on him in the pre-draft, but this idea that was after we drafted him that a lot of people just straight up said he wasn't a point guard. You watch him on the court. He's literally, like, pointing and, like, directing traffic and telling dudes where to go. He's, like, you know what I mean, like, calling for the ball, commanding, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, he has a presence about him. That's, to me, that's, like, what a floor general should have and one of the things they should have in their tool belt. So, I don't know. I love what I've seen with IQ, but I want to throw it back to you. Like, you were, you had, po- you had posed the question of possibly trading Randall. Another two games have passed. Um, they haven't been, like, consistently great, but, like, he's still racking up the numbers and he's still moving the ball well. You still feel like we should uh, um, entertain trading him? Uh, I mean, I, not not this season. I, I know when I brought it up the last time, I thought that his deal was expiring this season. I, I got the number mm, wrong. Yeah. But if, he, if, he, if they have a team option next season, it makes more sense for them to hold on to him this season. Let him let him keep doing his thing. Let him take off pressure from R.J. Barrett because he's he's picking up double teams a lot and he's getting better mm. and better at you know passing out of the post. Um, let him continue doing his thing. Let R.J. Barrett learn and ha- not have that pressure this season of having to be the man. He could be the man if he wants to. Um, and let him be let him be the mellow to KP. You know that's that's the way I see it. And next season when he's on an expiring deal, it could be a very attractive deal to other teams, and we could get a really good. Uh, trading chip uh, next season. Okay, Buddy Hield, twenty twenty two, brother. <laughs> he's gonna be. <laughs> be you know, he'll be, be one like, year less on his deal. Ain't he gonna be like thirty five years old next season. I don't know, brother. Nah, ages. I think he's like thirty. He, he ages like a banana. Like he came into the league, he was like twenty three, and then like his second year, he's like, no, I'm actually twenty six. <laughs> In a mortgage, I got three kids. What the fuck y'all talking about? He was actually mad at the media. He's like, I don't know where y'all got my age from. He's like, what? <laughs> Bro, <laughs> this is your age. <laughs> Why are you mad at us? Like, um, but no, nah, I mean that's a good point. You know what I mean, like, I, I'm glad you came around on that because yeah, I just want to see Randall just continue this. You know, and the biggest point you just made, and I feel like it's been the biggest growth area for him, just like reading double teams correctly. You know, so even if it don't look pretty, like to be honest with you, he's passing out of these double teams, and I'm very glad he's racking up assists. But it just don't look pretty when he does it. You know I what I mean? <laughs> it's like you could tell it's like literally like somebody that just learned what this was, this concept of passing out of double teams, mm-hmm. and he's just like, you know, and like you know, Randall's a bowling ball when he gets in the paint. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I'm glad that like we have a dude like that, honestly, because yeah. a point you made that I really kind of stuck with me from like the, our couple episodes back was like, we don't really have anybody on the roster that can do what Randall does. You know what I mean? Just draw that attention, be that engine of an offense. And he may not be elite, but certain times he's thrown up elite numbers so far, you know. So I'm well, just happy to see it continue and progress. Yeah. While we're on the topic of Randall, I I have to give him credit for what he did with Sabonis last night because this mm. man was cooking us last game and many games last season. But 
He was only able to put up eight shots this this game, only 13 points. He had five fouls. And Randall is not known for his defense, but two out of the last five or six games, he was he did really well against the reigning MVP and Sabonis, who's an all-star. This guy has yeah. alligator arms and not absolutely not known for his defense, but he held his own and we both got wins because of it. So lots of credit to him. There's just one steal steal and dunk play that he had that I really liked. Um, oh yeah, that that would have gotten the garden up. I know for sure. And um, dude, there there are certain places you you go coast to coast and you you got to rub your eye a little bit. You wonder if you seen LeBron at that moment. Not to hype him up too Magic much, Johnson, but Magic Johnson, bro, he's uh, throwing out throwing like behind the back shoulder passes. <laughs> <laughs> he's the new young Magic. <laughs> yeah, and like. Um, last season he was definitely getting double a couple of times and he didn't know what to do about it. That's why he turned the ball over so much. But um, so he knew what to do in his head. He was just like, I'm gonna dribble into this and my power will overpower these three men. It didn't work, but like Julius, I dig it. He, he thought he was the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> he he a big guy though. I I like I like mm. if he dribbled a little faster and had a tighter handle, he could really elevate his game even more. But credits credits to Julius Randle. Right now it's it's. It'd be difficult to not say that he's the best player in the in the team right now. Facts. And the thing about his handle, though, I do think it looks better than it did last year. No, I remember last year, mm-hmm. he was like bring the ball up. He would kind of lose it and it would be like kind of light dribble, like pressure on mm-hmm. him, you know, defensive pressure on him. But now it's just like he's going coast to coast and he's like going into the paint, navigating into the paint through the defenders uh, with a little bit more comfort than we've seen prior. So, I mean, yeah, I echo your same points, bro. Like, props to him definitely defensively as well. Like I said, his biggest growth area was like passing on a double teams, but like, yo, he's. That's a lot of things about defense is a lot of people don't realize even if you don't have the peak awareness, you can try. You know, trying does a lot to erase like whatever deficits you deficits you have defensively. And Randall's like, you know, he's got the right coaches in his ear when he's doing what he needs to do. He's setting a good example, you know. Um, you want your best player to pass and play double teams, but he may be our best offensive player, but I just kinda going back to Mitch, I feel like Mitch has just been defensively he's been a monster, bro. Like I really do like that's that that clutch block he had mm-hmm. in crunch time last night. It was beautiful, yo. And it's just like, bro. I just wish it was like one of those national TV games because I feel like that would be one of those plays that would have like made him more known league wide. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people feel like no Mitchell Robinson. It's just like oh, he's just that the Knicks version of like um, Jared Allen or whatever. But like that, like that's what makes Mitch special, bro. He was comfortable out there in the perimeter. And even though the shot went off, Mitch's long, gangly, athletically freaky arms just, like, slapped the shit out of it. You know what I mean? Had the whole yeah. bench going crazy. I was like, yo, we need to keep him, bro. It would be such a shame if we don't keep Mitch. But, like, that's that's down the road. I just want to give him props for that. Cause what, what you mean, bro? That's he, a beautiful play. Nah, man, we got we to train him. He, he, uh, he don't have a three-point shot. He got no fadeaway uh mid-ranger he got no he got no kobe moves he got no jordan moves fuck out he got no skyhook no. we gotta trade mitch bro he's out <clears throat> this is this is gonna be a rant probably for another day but i want to just really kind of touch on that i feel like what feeds into like that perceptions from like casual fans and just like regular nba watchers is just like people like charles barkley and shaq especially so what shaq said rudy about rudy gobert i don't fuck with gobert right but shaq mm-hmm. was just like well, I should have played in this era, you know what I mean? Of like this big man just got two hundred mil for averaging ten points a game. I'm just like this man has two defensive player of the year, Shaq. Like not everybody can be fucking Hakeem Olajuwon. That's the point, you know what I mean? This, especially in the modern NBA, you don't need your big man. No teams are dumping it down to their big man like that. You know what I mean? Even AD, somebody like AD, he brings the ball up. He's like, uh, he's you know front facing the rim as opposed to backing up. You know what I mean? And posting and banging. You know what I mean? Like it's a different league, and but. 
dudes like like I don't want to defend Gobert too much, but like you know, Mitch is that <laughs> that kind of proto- same kind of prototype. So if Mitch gets paid this summer, I just know we're gonna get a comment from Shaq, who's like some some weird shit, and then that's gonna feed into just like these people that already have these dumb opinions about Mitch. You know what I mean? Like that don't want to pay him. That are just like, oh, Noel can do the same shit. No, he can't. Like, yo, Noel's a nice backup center, but he's not Mitch, you know? Like, he's not what Mitch can be. And, yeah, I mean, shit. You got anything more to add on Mitch? Because we could just probably do three hours straight just, like, fawning over Mitch, honestly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Oddly enough, I actually had a little bit more to say on Randall. Um, oh, not, so to, not to go backwards, but I just want to make a quick point on some of the things that he struggled with last season, seasons prior, were uh, defense and threes and turnovers. Now, turnover, he's actually doing career worst, but everything else, he's doing career best. He's shooting just as many threes as he was last season, but he's shooting at 50% right now. And on top of that, he he's averaging a career high in assists, 7.2 assists per game. His last mm-hmm. record was 3.6, literally half that. Um, and he's averaging career high in rebounds. Again, six games only, but that's still that's still important. Right now, he's averaging career high in free throw percentage, and he's shooting just as much as he was last season. Last season, 15.7 shots per game. This year, 15.2, so just around the same. And he's playing at his most minutes, 37.7. No no surprise there on a tips team, but he's, he's, fit, he's working on and improved so far on all of his deficiencies, and we got to give credit to, to Tibbs on that. Um, but to Mitch, he's basically doing what he was doing last season, but at a better clip, which is, which is awesome to see. And yeah, he's, he's a first, he, what other guy in the NBA can block threes like that? I Maybe mean, AD, but apart from me, and we yeah, haven't really yeah, seen yeah. it from AD that much. Um, yeah. not that I've watched every AD game, but I don't see highlights of that. Um, I don't know any other traditional centers in the NBA who can do what Mitch does, and he's going to be. And you meant you, you actually made this point like a couple of years ago on a podcast where Mitch is going to be the potential guy to really change the movement a little bit from to get players to be afraid to shoot the three pointer, especially when since they're so liberal mm. with it right now. Pacers shot fifty threes yeah. last night, and the Knicks I think shot half as many threes. But they're going to be they're going to have second thoughts when they see Mitchell Robinson. Even if he's in the paint, because he could, we've seen him run over and block corner threes because he has that capability and that no other yep. center in the NBA has. He's elite in that, and that's something mm. you pay for. You don't think about all the other things that he's not doing because he's elite in at least two or three facets of the game. And fuck, dude, that we got a really good guy on our team right now, a second round pick. We gotta get, we gotta pay that man, bro. And the thing about like, you know, we've seen Mitch at, at, at least twice block the hard and step back three mm. so if he can block that there's not nobody out there that's taking a three right now that i wouldn't be confident in like mitch being able to block like maybe dame lillard and steph just because they pull up some fo- so from so far back but then even still mitch got the athleticism at length to probably like at least maybe get a fingertip on it you know what i mean so it's just like shit i'm gonna pat myself on the back for that take from a couple years back yeah the goddamn yeah shit <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly past me yes word <laughs> Um, I mean, like I said, we just, like, fawn over Mitch for a minute, bro, because to be honest with you, like, while we both kind of love KP, it was also what he, like, we kind of envisioned him defensively to be that monster, you yeah. know what I mean? Because he had all the tools. But Mitch is showing these same tools, and so far, you know, knock on wood, knock on everything, he hasn't shown, like, that frailty, you know? No, knock on so, wood again for that one. Cho, knock on every wood. Like, I would knock, but, like, I got a really sensitive mic right now. I don't want to 
do that to our listeners. No, it doesn't matter, man. Not, <laughs> not, if you haven't done it, you gotta do it, bro. I don't care. All right. There you go. It's gonna probably sound like police banging on my door, though, to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. I mean, shit. Um, well, who we got next on the schedule? Like, real quick. Carry this win streak that over. Is, that is a good question. Yeah, the one game winning streak. Um, Yo, bring it up to two. You know what I mean? The Hawks tomorrow at 7.30. And Bucks? No, the Hawks. Atlanta Hawks. Oh, Hawks. Okay. Who actually just lost to the Cavs, and they were held to like mm. 90 points, and the Knicks beat the Cavs. So, Damn, bro. You know what that means. Yeah, but then I heard, like, I missed the game, but I saw, like, a, like it was lighting up basketball Twitter or NBA Twitter, just like the Atlanta Nets game from, like, a couple of days back. They just mm. lit up the scoreboard, apparently, mm-hmm. like, 140, like, 135, whatever. But I did see just on Real GM that, like, Gallo's going to be out for two weeks for him. Um, he was, like, probably one of their biggest pickups. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to help us tomorrow. Hopefully we have Burks back. I don't know what the latest word is on him. But, you know, I would love to see what Burks can do in the rotation with Rivers. I don't know what that would mean for our young players, you know. Um, it's just tough because, like, in the Toronto game, and I think the game prior, Tibbs only played eight dudes. And I think it's obviously the fact that we had a couple guys sitting plays into that. But when everybody's healthy, is it going to be those that same eight rotation spots? Maybe it'll be nine. I doubt he's going to play 10 in the regular season. Tibbs don't seem like that type of dude. So, yeah, I mean, you would think Burks and Rivers need to be in the rotation at all costs, right? Don't forget like, about Toppin. Those dudes. Exactly, Toppin. I think Toppin's need to come in just because Leon Rose's son is his agent. You know what I mean? It would be very awkward at the dinner table if like Toppin is just like, at the end of the bench. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, Toppin's got to come in. Noel, you can't really sit him because you need that rim protection when Mitch sits and that insurance in case he has foul trouble. So... I mean, we kind of talked about this last episode. It's confounding with, like, trying to figure out this rotation. You know what I mean? Like, so I just hope all the young players that we want to play well continue to play well and solidify their rotation spots. And to this point, Mitch and RJ are, are locks. You know what I mean? They're going to stay in the rotation no matter what. It's just about the other dudes proving it. And I think Knox is gonna, is getting there, you know? So, yeah, I mean, anything you were specifically looking out for, though, in that Hawks matchup? Not, not really. I just found out they're playing them right now. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I mean, but real, real quick, since we're talking about lineups, uh, there was a, a headline I think a day or two ago that the front office isn't going to look into trading players until fifteen twenty games in, and the Knicks are only six games in. Tomorrow makes seven, so we're about halfway there. We're we're gonna have to start, you know, considering what players might be gone, uh, in, you know, in a couple of months from now. I I don't know when the trade deadline is, but. I mean, Frank Nilakino, we have to keep an eye out for as a possible trade chip. Kevin Knox, I think, is going to be a possible trade chip. DSJ might be a potential uh, waiver chip. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You said waiver chip? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you said wafer for a second, like a vanilla wafer. I was like, what? Uh, DSJ and cookies? What? Yeah, no, he, uh, he <laughs> might be uh, waived <laughs> off the team because he doesn't do shit. And, um,. I don't know. Maybe Omari Spellman gets on his third team in 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 a in a matter of months. Who knows? Yo, I mean, he just need to get in shape, bro. Because I keep looking at his shooting stats. Like, yo, what the hell, bro? Just like get a get on a diet. You have a career for the next ten years. You're you're everything that the league is looking for in big man. I'm talking about Spellman, right? Yeah. If you just literally cut like thirty pounds out, you have a job for life, making millions. You know what I mean? Just because you're big and you can shoot and you can somewhat play defense, just because you came from Villanova. So I don't want to see like how you come into the season on your fourth team in like three years and be like, eh, I'm not gonna cut out the McDonald's. McFlurry's just hit too nice, you know what I mean? Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know what I mean? It's like him and DSJ probably make fast food runs in the middle of the night, you know what I mean? 
And that's why DSCA wakes up the next morning and plays disoriented. You know, yeah, they he, go in there at the night. the bubble guts while he's playing. They, they go in at night. They look at the guy in front of him, got a long-ass beard. <laughs> Turn around, it's James. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, James can do it. He'd probably be fresh off, like, three, like, uh, club trips at night, and they meet him in the driveway. He's like, oh, y'all here too? Aren't we playing tomorrow? <laughs> Them two dudes are scrubs, and then James would drop, like, a 50-point triple-double on Yo. us. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, shit, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, what were, I asked you, like, what we're looking at the Hawks game. Now that I think about it, I want to see IQ get in the game and then use Trey Young's tricks against him. He's like, keep drawing fouls on Trey Young. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, because Trey Young's been doing that all season. There's like this one move that's like controversial. You've seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, where he drives forward and he has a defender all over him. I've seen Chris Paul do this mad times, but I feel like Trey Young is doing it kind of like more aggressively. You know what I mean? He, and he just stops and it has the defender run into him. Boom. Easy foul call. You know what I mean? Um, they used to call that, or Zach Lowe used to call that putting a defender in jail, you know what I mean? Where yeah. you get past him, you slow your dribble down, you know what I mean? Where he's hanging all over you. And then when you suddenly pivot or stop, boom, that's an easy fall call for you. So I saw Steve Nash, he was, he was whining about it. He's like, oh, that's not basketball. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just like, bro, shut up. <laughs> you are Steve Nash. Like, not that he was known for that type of shit or like that type of stuff, but it's like, let me, let me, this is, I'm going to relate it back. Trey Young is make, taking advantage of the rules, you know what I mean, to make this move. Steve Nash, his MVPs came from him taking advantage of the rules. You know what the rules were? They changed the hand-checking rule in like 04, 05, and then mm-hmm. boom, Steve Nash, Steve Nash went on his historic run with the Phoenix Suns because he had more room to operate, you know what I mean? So if you're a benefit of like the rules changing, Trey Young can use the rules to his own advantage as long as it's not cheating, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't like it, and I'm probably going to hate it once, I do it once he does it to us tomorrow. But if he's on our team, I'm not going to bitch. You know what I mean? It's just hypocritical. It's just the game is the game. Like, I don't like what Harden does either. But, yo, he's taking advantage of, like, the rules in front of him. You know? Like, they, they can't stop Harden otherwise. So, who cares if he if he just, like, plays trickeries? Because, like, now we got a dude that does that too. IQ. That's the thing. Yeah. So, I'm not about to, like, hmm. let that kind of criticism for Trey Young slide, bro. Because IQ is going to be doing the same thing once he's, like, playing 30 minutes a game. Hopefully. I mean, the the Hawks got a valid lineup, dude. Uh, they're starting mm. five, Collins, Hunter, Capella, Trey, and Cam Reddish. And they got Bogdan Bogdanovich on their, on their team, obviously Gallo. Mm. And Her- uh, Herter is a really good three-point shooter. You're about um, to call him Herter. Yeah. <laughs> He's Spanish as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Cito Herter. <laughs> Then again, he could be from Spain. They'd be, they'd be looking like pretty uh, pale over there. I don't know. I, I think he's from like Nebraska or some shit. I don't know. But I, I mean, you know, Trey Young versus I'd hope I hope Frank gets some minutes and I I you'd always want to see Frank against like the top point guards in the NBA because he has a tendency of locking them up. Um, so I I would want to see Thanks. IQ slash Frank go go up against Trey Young and guard him up and um. Mm. I don't think I don't think the Hawks defense is that good apart from like Capella. So I would want to see RJ do his thing. Uh John Collins is not really a good defender either. I'd want to see Randall do his thing. I think I think this is a, a game that's that the Knicks have a good chance of winning. As as good as the Hawks are based off the way the Knicks played against the Pacers, I think if the, the Pacers are one of the top teams of the East. I, I think at this point any team on the East minus maybe even Milwaukee who the Knicks beat. Um the Knicks have a fair shot at at beating these days, which is pretty crazy to say. Yeah, I mean, if it, if it comes down to just, like, these matchups where we may be outclassed roster-wise, and, like, to your point, these wins we just rattled off against Indiana, Milwaukee, like, 
even the Cavs are four and one when we beat them. It's just like I feel like moving forward, that sets a precedent or precedent of like Tibbs having these guys ready to play. You know what I mean? And it's a cliche. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those like buzzwords people throw around when they don't really like know coach like the the intricacies of this uh, like a certain coach or like us fans. We don't really know coaching like that. You know what I mean? But Tibbs literally. It's like the old Chicago days, bro. Like, anytime they went into any game, it could be the Bobcats. It could be the Miami Heat back in the day. They treated it like it was the do or die. You know what I mean? So slowly we're seeing that kind of mentality come to the team. And um, I feel like we got the right vets for it, too. Like, Rivers, like, I'm not one to really, like, fall for guys that, like, kind of really talk and say the nice things about New York and building shit. Because Marcus Morris did the same shit last year. You know what I mean? Or similar shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're dogs. We got to protect this house. And then they get blown out by 56. Mm. And, like, Marcus gets tech because he's mad at the ref for, like, not giving him a foul call while we're down 56. But now it's like Rivers, it's like he's, he's saying the right things. And, like, we've got kind of, you know, these right vets with the right attitude. You know, like, Rivers is coming in with a purpose. Uh, Burks, he's, he's coming in like, there's some familiarity. Johnny Bryant coached him in Utah for a minute, I think. Walt Perrin drafted him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, these are guys that are coming into situations where they're, I don't want to say comfortable because we don't know them personally, but it feels like it's set up for comfort for them, you know what I mean? Familiarity all around. And you made a point that, like, maybe, like, I want to kind of go back because that was an interesting news that came from Bagley, I think, right? That, like, 15 games in is when we're probably going to see signings and trades, so. possibly. So, like, the thing, interesting thing about that, I don't think Knox is even on the table, bro, just because it's the Kentucky CA thing, bro. I don't think anybody that's part of Kentucky is on the trade block this year because Randall's playing too well. Knox is too young, and he's really turning a corner. IQ is just, like, to half the Knicks fans, he's he's chosen one already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's showing pretty well. So I don't think any of those guys are on the trade block. Um, Randall, like, I think... I mean, if if it's a superstar as well, but I think Randall's going to be one of the main pieces in that trade, right? But I don't think it's going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I hate to say it, bro. I keep bringing it up in the last few episodes. It might be Frank out the door, bro. I get a bad feeling in my stomach. Even if we do have good vibes about winning, I think that's the point. We're going to be winning to a point where, like, a Frank trade won't sting as much. You know what I mean? Because Tibbs has this kind of competitive. You know, I think that's the idea behind it. You know? It'd be one thing if we trade Frank while we stink, you know? And like flagrantly getting blown out every game. Knock on wood, we haven't seen that yet. So I'm just worried, bro. Might need to say bye to our French prince. French prince, you know. Yeah, especially with Rivers playing as well. He's as he's been playing the last two games. We got him on like a three-year, ten-year contract. Yeah. Frank would be more expensive than that, most likely. He's he's going to demand more than a three-year, con- uh, more than a three-mil contract. So it's just a matter: would you rather keep a scrappy Austin Rivers, who's a vet and has a proven shot, or would you rather? pay more for Frank Nilakina who's going to demand more money, you know, um, and yeah. not have a developed shot and lack of confidence. It sucks to say we, we, we love Frank. I don't know if, if anyone listening here is listening to us for the first time, but we've always been hyping up Frank. We've always been, you know, big fans of his. But Ducks. sometimes you, you need a reality check and see and look at the rest of your lineup and see what the next move is because Frank is going to be up for an extension real soon, a, a new contract. And right now they have a lot of guards who are playing well, not named Frank. Yeah, and it just seems like the young player that's really prime for like a future extension at this point is just Mitch. Just mm-hmm. because like he's either gonna be restricted this year or unrestricted the next year. So I think he's the only one really that like is likely to get extended in the next uh, year or two. You know what I mean? 
Um, if Knox improves, like his fourth, like this is if this is like the jumping off point this season for him to really show and prove he's uh, part of our core, like like really gonna be part of our core. It's gonna happen next year. You know what I mean? So I hope this is like the type of season that like is that stepping stone for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sucks, bro. Like we we've, we've been defending Frank to the ends of the earth for, for the last four years. You know what I mean? Um, it's officially gonna be four years because it's twenty twenty one. Time flies, bro. Do you remember that draft, bro? We was like tuned in, honed in on that draft, bro. Um, it time time fucking flies, bro. Like Frank is probably gonna be out of here. So, we, we, I feel like we're having a funeral before like the person even like dropped dead. You know what I mean? But like it's just <laughs> I'm preparing myself mentally, bro. PTSD <laughs> as a Knicks fan. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. We and then that sad note, I guess, about the Knicks. If you want to kind of quickly do a lightning round about nba news if there is any are there any about. major ones i mean i think the the games are being played nothing too crazy not much drama going on um there is some drama in toronto like the pascal siakam situation they benched him for mm, a game bro they benched him against then, the knicks and the, yeah and then the next game afterwards he played like garbage and he only had like 20 minutes or some shit or he followed out on like six minutes i don't know what the hell's going on this with siakam true. like did he get paid and he just like? I don't think Siakam is those type of dudes. So getting paid and just going like losing work ethics. I don't know what's going on with him. Like maybe he's in his head. Maybe maybe he's heard trade rumors from Masai Ujiri because we know how ruthless he is. You know what I mean? He gave Durrells an extension, I think, and then traded him from Kawhi like a year later. You know what I mean? So I I think if if giving Siakam an extension won't like preclude him from any trade talks, like I could see him being thrown in immediately for a Harden deal. So, yeah, I think that's the only dramatic thing that's happening so far, surprisingly. The type of league that we know the NBA is. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. He he walked off early um, after a loss, and that's why he got suspended. And yeah. I think he picked up – I think he fouled out after, like, 20 minutes, so it was definitely bad play. And, shit, uh, they definitely should be calling Houston right now to see what's up with James. Speaking of Houston, John Wall's been playing really well. For his return game, and you lo- you love to see it. I I love to see Kevin Durant playing well, even if he's playing in Brooklyn. You you love to see these players coming back from major injuries, like a John Wall, like a Demarcus Cousins. Uh, Cousins hasn't been playing too well, but John Wall seems like he's at least seventy five percent of what he was in his prime, which is awesome to see. Really good to see, and I mean the easy joke to make is like oh, he finally is playing in a red uniform. Big blood John Wall is just like he's showing off <laughs> yeah. for the set. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I think that's what it is. Um. I just seen you know, Michael Porter Jr. out multiple games due to COVID nineteen protocols. I don't know if that means he has COVID, but uh, this man's like super frail, and we know that. You know what I mean? Like the injuries is why we didn't draft him. So like, if he's got COVID on top of that, bro, I don't know. I mean, hopefully Knox stays healthy. Knock on wood. But like, goddamn, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like on some larger real life note, I feel like this COVID thing, the players that do get it, and just like the larger human population at large, it's gonna be. A, fucking game changer for like the next five ten years in terms of healthcare, and you're seeing like 35 year old people drop dead because of aneurysms yeah shit. i was just Recovering about to say covid that. bro that's fucking scary man mm-hmm. like it's not about the death toll when you get it it's about like what's it's literally destroying your body afterwards even if you quote unquote recover so that's scary bro like and then like we got dudes like russ that had it um there's so many players that already had it you know what i mean so i don't know how that's going to change the shape of the league for like the next five years because it's definitely going to shape society in some way. I don't want to get too dark on our first Good part Lord, of 2021, yeah. but goddamn, bro. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, I completely took us off the rails there. My bad. Made yeah, us yeah, all yeah. sad on a Sunday. Keep, keep, keep <laughs> going. You can say, say, else, say what else you want to say. I got nothing much else to say. You gave us a Sunday scary. It's my fault. <laughs> um, Draymond is supposed to be coming back soon. I think Steve Kerr says he wants some conditioning and all that. The The Warriors are 2-3. and three. The Nuggets are 1-4. and four. That's kind of surprising. They're at the bottom of the West right now. And they, if they taught us one thing, it's just that, like, no matter what the deficit, they'll come back. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, 100%. The Suns, are leading, the Suns are leading the West at 5-1. and one. Mm. Chris Paul, nice. The Chris Paul effect cannot be understated. Uh, a lot of people give credit to LeBron for what he does when he when he joins a new team. we got, we got to give that same respect to Chris Paul for doing the same thing. Facts, bro. Chris Paul hasn't missed the playoffs since, like, puberty since we had puberty <laughs> since we went through puberty you know what i mean i think that's literally what it is like a decade plus of not missing the playoffs he may get injured while he's at the playoffs but he'll he'll drag your team to the playoffs yep you know what i mean like okc last year who who expected him to win like what 44 games 48 games or some shit i don't know but they wasn't supposed to be in the playoffs and he did it and he, like people thought he would make phoenix competitive but now they look like legit one of like top two three teams in the west you know what i mean so Yo, put some respect on the point guard's name. Because, like, on NBA Twitter especially, we talk about casual fans. These motherfuckers hate Chris Paul, bro. For Just what? because you don't have a ring. <laughs> I don't, just because you don't have a ring. And there are certain people that I do kind of respect that don't like Chris Paul just because he was a dirty player in college. He's, like, famously, infamously known for, like, uh, punching some dudes in the balls, like, flagrantly. You know what I mean? Back when he was at Wake Forest. So there's a lot of people that just hold that against him forever. And, you know... Fair. <laughs> I get it. You know what I mean? I can't imagine violently being punched in the balls. You know what I mean? By Chris Paul, of, of all people. So, yeah. I mean, shit. Just put respect on his name. He is a point guard. Yeah. I heard Mikael Bridges is looking crazy, though. Yeah. I got him on my fantasy team, so he is looking really good. Um, what kind of numbers is he putting up? I haven't really looked at his stats. I, at, least, at least, like, 14, 15 points a game. Nice. I mean, you want to say that special, but, like, as a 3 and D guy, knowing the kind of defense he could provide, I would kill for, like, Frank to be a 14, 15-point scorer with his defense, you know? Yeah, he's um, 15 points, 53%, 50% from the 3, 5 rebounds. Mm. He should be getting more assists. He's only averaging .8, but 1.3 blocks is pretty good for a guy who's uh, assist, though. He's, like, six, 3 six. and D, you know? Yeah. He just expected to, like, be the shooter, so I like that, bro. Like, yo. I think Bridges is about to... People thought Aiton would take that step up, but Bridges seems like he's doing that, you know? Turning into another Robert Covington, which every team needs in the modern mm-hmm. NBA. Speaking of... No, never mind. I, I saw a Robert Covington trade. I just mixed that up. That was my fan. That was a fantasy trade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, Roko on the move already? Like, <laughs> Melo took over the Portland front office. Like, yo, get him out of here, bro. I need a start. <laughs> nah, I love Melo. I'm just playing around. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, it seems like a slow going with the NBA if you want to close it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Call it a wrap for this episode, first episode of 2021. Yes, sir. Um, thank you all for listening to this episode. We have Nickish at night coming back this week. We did take a two-week hiatus for the holidays, um, so make sure you look out for that. We're going to bring in a brand-new guest to this week's episode. Uh, and make sure you subscribe on all podcasting platforms and you follow us on all uh, social media platforms at Nickish Show. Um and yeah, we appreciate all the support. We have some upcoming episodes that we're excited about. We were the guest of another show that should be coming up soon that we'll be uh, you know, letting you guys all know about very, very soon. And um, 
yeah, we hope you guys had a happy new year. Uh, let's let's wish and hope for an amazing 2021. Please stay safe. Um, and you know the Knicks are on the rise. <laughs> don't be jinxing us, bro. Don't say such things like that. I'm gonna wait till February to say that for sure. But <laughs> yeah, man, like stay safe out there. It's another year, so. If you, if, I feel like a lot of people had a rough 2020, but if you're going into this new year, just be, you know, it's not it's not too rough if you still have your health, you know what I mean, and you can move forward and, you know, do what you need to do, take care of those who you love and take care of all responsibilities and um, move in a positive direction for positive growth, right? So not to get too cliche and like lovey-dovey, but yeah, 2021, right? Let's, let's get it, y'all. That's right. Take care, everyone. Peace. Peace.